0: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it.
1: We were all born and raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, headquartered in Salt Lake City, Utah more commonly referred to as the Mormon faith. All of us have left that religion and have been drawn to faith in Jesus Christ based on biblical teachings. The name of our podcast, Outer Brightness, reflects John 1, 9, which calls Jesus the true light which gives light to everyone. We have found life beyond Mormonism to be brighter than we were told it would be, and the light we have is not our own. It comes to us from without. Thus, Outer Brightness. Our purpose is to share our journeys of faith and what God has done in drawing us to His Son. We have conversations about all aspects of that transition, the fears, challenges, joys, and everything in between. We're glad you found us, and we hope you'll stick around.
0: You're listening to Outer Brightness, a podcast for post-Mormons who are drawn by God to walk with Jesus rather than turn away. Outer Brightness. Outer Brightness. Outer Brightness. Outer Brightness. There's no weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth here, except when Michael's angry.
1: that is, angry. that is, angry. that is. I'm Matthew, the nuclear Calvinist.
2: I'm Michael, the ex-Mormon apologist.
0: I'm Paul Bunyan. Let's get into it.
1: So welcome, Fireflies, to this episode of the Outer Brightness podcast. Uh, And As you can see, today we have two new guests. Well, I guess not new guests, but you've seen Brianna before. But we do have two guests with us today, uh, Brianna and Dan. So we'd like to thank them for coming, and we welcome them to the Outer Brightness podcast. So Brianna and Dan, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming. So the reason we have these two guests on our podcast is they're very similar to Paul and Michael, aka Dr. Pepper, and I. They are both post-Latter-day Saints who have found faith in Christ. And so the topic of our episode today is we are going to discuss what it's like being a post-Mormon and being a new Christian. So this episode we want to really focus on advice for the post-Mormon new Christian. And so Brian and Dan are really going to help us with this topic. So we're going to kind of talk to them, interview them, and give some advice from them, hear their background and their stories and we'll kind of just have a discussion, go back and forth, and we'll share all of our advice. So we have this kind of shared background, this shared history of being Latter-day Saints and leaving and coming to Christ. So that's going to be the topic of discussion for today. So starting off, um, let's start off with Brianna. So the both of you in turn, so could you give us like a five to 10 minute synopsis of your journey from Mormonism and to Christianity?
3: So I grew up LDS. My parents, they were both converts as adults. Um, And growing up, we were known as the Commonwealth Pioneers, because we were like the first of our families to be LDS. And um, growing up, I really uh, idolized my father and he was a spiritual figure in my life, like the strongest. I kind of hinged my testimony on him because he was the leader and he he led our whole family through the Growing up in the church and just everything, and uh, I was part of activities. I went to the youth stuff, uh, like uh, girls' camp, and all that stuff. And um, and then uh, years down the road, as I was much older, um, my parents were going to get a divorce, um, and that kind of shattered my whole world uh, in that moment. Um, at that time. It wasn't the first time that uh, my father, uh, my parents, they were struggling, um, and the whole reason why it went so bad is because my my dad had cheated on my mom, and this wasn't the first time. And uh, several years ago, before all of that happened, um, when my dad first cheated on my mom, uh, uh, it was destabilizing for me and my faith um, and I became agnostic um, I was suffering through depression for several years um, during that time and uh, when it happened again it it was it was much worse and it was with the, the same girl that had happened years before
0: how old, was, how old were you when that first when you first found out
3: I was 16.
0: Well, that, that had to
1: be tough
3: yeah. I was already struggling, um, with my social circle. I didn't quite, uh, have a lot of friends growing up. I only had very few. Um, and I was already kind of just dealing with my own questions of life and everything. And when this happened, it kind of like the church was my foundation for everything. And I felt like I could rely upon it. And, um, my dad, I thought he was very strong and and I realized that he wasn't perfect. Um, but what really got me was when uh, when when my parents went to go get this taken care of, they my bishop he sided with my dad and gaslighted my mom about everything, basically saying it was her fault that he went and did all these things. Um, and for for some time, I so when i became agnostic but i was still i was still LDS but i still kept atten- attending the church but i was secretly an agnostic i didn't know if god was real or if the church was true but um i kind of got myself into an abusive relationship and uh went into some pretty dark paths and i didn't know if i could keep living with this and made me question things about god um and about hell because at that point i was suicidal and you know if i were to take my own life i didn't want to go to hell and so that led me into going into questions um i found uh, some things about the church and i also found some things about christianity because i ran into jeff durbin online um with the videos with from apologia church and then it made me realize that um after spending some time, I, I finally came to the realization that um, the church was not true, but also that um, Jesus did everything for me. And I couldn't find fulfillment in other people because they will always let you down. But in Jesus, um, you have everything. So, yeah, that's pretty much my story.
1: Wow, uh, what a testimony. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I echo Paul's words. I really appreciate your sharing that with us. That uh, must be, I mean, I can't even, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, going through what you've gone through, but um, thank you for sharing that. I know that's kind of hard and hopefully we'll make, you know, we'll make both of you feel comfortable and, you know, if we fo- ask follow-up questions, we'll try to be careful to, you know, not go to probing. We'll try to be considerate. So thank you for that. Um, so um, I don't have any follow-up questions. Do either of you have questions for him? No, I don't think Okay. Yeah. Thank you again for sharing that, Brianna. So, uh, Dan, would you like to share with us a little bit of your story or journey from Mormonism to Christianity? Yeah, absolutely.
4: Um, Brianna, thanks for sharing that. Uh, it's kind of funny, uh, what I've noticed a lot of people that leave the church, that's kind of the road that they go down is that agnostic path. And that's kind of where I landed, you know, within my, my teen years as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, Paul, Paul, already shared a little bit about, you know, our family and kind of where we stood in Utah, but I never really felt like a good Mormon. And I, I felt like I was a good person. <laughs> I was doing a lot of good things, you know, I wasn't a bad kid. But, you know, there were there were Mormon families in the church that, you know, they wouldn't let their kids play with me. So um, because I, I wasn't the the standard Mormon that that they saw. So I never I never really felt like I fit in uh, even from an early age. And so look, looking back, there's a few stories that my family used to tell over the years, you know, that, that are just kind of funny because even at a young age, I never really saw myself as a, as a Mormon and in, in this culture. Um, and I, and I'll tell a story. Um, so one, one family home evening we were all sitting around the table, me and all, all of my siblings. And we were all talking about, you know, where, where do you want to go on your mission? And, uh, <laughs> everybody's like oh I want to go to Italy oh I want to go here because you know I want to learn a foreign language and you know this this, that that was like that Mormon culture right I don't know if you guys experienced that at all too but you know it came came around to me and I was like I want to go to Burger King so (laughs) that's my brother and uh so even at an early age I just you know my mind's on I want to go to Burger King you know we go to McDonald's all the time but you know, Burger King sounds really good, that Whopper over there. So, um, and the, and then, you know, my, my baptism experience, you know, you guys had that episode the other day about baptism. That got me thinking about my whole experience with that. And I remember I was the last kid to go on, on, on the day I was getting baptized. And my best friend went right before me. And I remember turning to my dad and I was like, he, he was explaining to me, you know, all, all of your sins will be washed away. And, you know, I was thinking about, that. I was like, man, I was thinking of something physical, right? And um, I knew Kenny was going before me, my best friend. And so I turned to my dad and I go, how how, how are you going to prevent Kenny's sins from getting on me <laughs> since I was the last kid to go? Um, so, you know, th- there were things that just didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me growing up. And looking back, you know, now now that I'm not LDS anymore, you know, it makes even more sense that you know I just didn't fit fit that mold really um and so uh you know at 13 was really when i was just like i told you know that's when i kind of started to rebel and i'm just like i'm not i'm not going to be this anymore i'm not going to pretend anymore um and so i i had a buddy uh that me and him were kind of we'd kind of goof off in in class you know we would go to uh after primary we'd go to our our class and uh, I remember one, one teacher that I had, he was talking about um, the devil and how he, he impacts everything that happens in the world that's bad, you know, it's because of the devil. And so I was just like, I, w- I was a smart aleck. And I, and I, looking back, I was like, I totally wouldn't do this again. <laughs> but I, I said to him, I said, so you're telling me if I stuff a bunch of marshmallows up my nose and they get happen to get stuck, <laughs> that was the devil that, that, made me do that <laughs> it's not my stupidity and i and i remember this guy he, this this poor teacher um he he was just very um just very straight line mormon and he um you know he, he wouldn't let his kids play with any other kids in the neighborhood he would kind of keep them in and I, I don't know if you knew him or not paul um he lived he lived right next to my friend tommy yates but his wife uh she dressed kind of like um like with the homemade dresses like you see with like what was his name? I, I can't even remember his name anymore. Um, but he got so upset when I asked him the, the marshmallow question that he sent me back to primary and I had to go sit with the younger kids to learn my lesson. So, <laughs> um, but, but that's probably day a good were, move that day. They were handing out cookies. So I got two cookies. So <laughs> it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, um, my mom, my mom was really, um, a big driver as far as, you know, telling me that church is true. And, you know, a lot of uh, me hanging on and, and doing a lot of things throughout my teenager years was impacted by my mom. And I really just wanted to make her proud. Um, And so, um, you know, I, I went to seminary, I went went through everything uh through, throughout high school and and all of that until my senior year. And that's when I just told my mom, you know, I'm done with it. I'm not not going to do it anymore. So I met, um, I met a girl in high school, my now wife. Uh, I did marry my high school sweetheart, and uh, she was a Lutheran. And so when I met her, I, I kind of started going to um, a Lutheran church with her and her family. And really, they they kind of helped me through my transition out of Mormonism um, and uh, helped answer a lot of questions. And they put up with a lot for me, <laughs> just trying to... Um, As do we all. F- figure it all out. Yeah. so. Um, that, that's kind of my journey out of it. Um, any questions from you guys?
1: <laughs> that's great. So, so kind of what age, so did you ever f- really feel like you identified yourself as a Mormon or a Latter-day Saint or did you kind of just feel like, well, this is the church I go to, you know, it's not really part of your identity.
4: And, th- and that's, what's kind of funny about it. Um, I never, I never really felt like I belong, belong with them, but even after I left the church, I found myself just defending it all the time. Um, You know, my, my wife had a really hard time growing up being Lutheran with going to school with all of the different Mormons and the way that they would treat her and keep her kind of on the outskirts. And, um, so she, she didn't have a good feeling about that, but I would find myself just defending them against her. Um, and so it's kind of, it's kind of funny that you asked that because I, I I didn't feel like I really fit in with them. I didn't feel like I fit in with my wife because I'm find myself defending Mormonism. Mm.
1: I've, I've noticed that too with, with my dad for a long time. There were some things that happened in his life where he kind of went inactive in the church, but he had served a mission before doing that. And it was kind of the same thing. Like my uncle, I, I don't know, I guess he, he left the church and he joined some kind of, I don't know if it's evangelical or what kind of church, but he would call, talk to my dad and he would say a lot of disparaging things about Joseph Smith on the phone with my dad. You know, and even though he wasn't active at the time, he just got into this heated discussion. He's like, You don't even know what you're talking about. You know, you I don't know what your pastor taught you, you know. So it's it's interesting, like when you when you see that opposition, it kinda like stirs up some kind of I don't want I don't know how to describe it, some kind of a visceral emotion or, you know, this deep seated idea in you that otherwise you wouldn't really think about consciously. It's like when they hit that when they when they hit a certain spot in you, you know it kind of reminds you of something and it kinda stirs up emotions that have kind of laid dormant for a while. Um, uh, Brianna, would you kind of, so the same question for you, like, did you ever feel like when you were young that you associated or identified yourself as Latter-day Saint or. I did.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I did. Um, I was, I considered myself a very strong Mormon mm-hmm. up until, and yeah, it totally changed my world, but yeah, I, re- I really did.
1: Did you ever, um, struggle with ideas of like, um, kind of like we talked about, like maybe not quite fitting in, or did you feel like you were, you know, you were in the church and like that's where you belong, but kind of a feeling?
3: Uh, it was kind of kind of both. Um, like I, I didn't really fit in very much, but I think it was because I, I was very quiet and very introverted. I tend to uh, shy away from social interaction, um, but I loved studying the scriptures, and learning the doctrine. I was really big into that. And a lot of the kids my age, like growing up in the church, they didn't care about that. They wanted to you know, go to dances, going to EFY, all that social stuff. I, I was just, yeah.
1: I, I can I can relate to that, definitely. I, I didn't like the social aspects either. Like, my mission was a nightmare those first few months, <laughs> trying to get out of that shell. It's like, uh, I remember being thrown on the street in France, being barely knowing how to say hello in French. And my trainer was just like all right go talk to that guy i'm like oh what what am i supposed to say to him this is crazy i can't i can't even speak his language and then yeah. I, think, I think i remember i muttered a couple words and then he just kept walking <laughs> and he's like eh, it wasn't too bad for your first try so yeah. uh yeah don't worry i i know I, I uh i can relate to the whole introvert thing and kind of struggling that way it's like feeling part of the group but you know because mm-hmm. you're not extroverted like a lot of other latter-day saints are it's a little bit of a difference how about you guys
2: well i was gonna say real real quick too because you know, you were saying how hard it was to interact with somebody for the first time in French. And I was just thinking like, man, doing it in English wasn't any easier. (laughs) You know, go talk to that guy. It's like, well, I do speak the same language as him, but uh, man, this is
0: really awkward and and embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. And I I was going to say too, I, I expected to like street contacting to get easier as, as the mission went on. Uh, in terms of you know, once once I'm better speaking the language, I'll be able to engage people better. And you know, man, when I was like nine months in and had really picked up the language well, and I'd go out street contacting in my uh, second area, it was, I mean, it was the same. People just walked past you; they just wanted to get to work or wherever they were headed, you know. So,
1: mm-hmm. yep. And Dan, uh, did you serve a mission? I did not. I okay, just, just wanted so- to ask.
2: I want to ask you a question, Dan, if, if it's okay, because I kind of want to know what was going on between you and Paul at that time. Cause I guess he went on a mission after that. And did he,
4: did he try to bring you back into Mormonism or anything? I, I would say some somewhat. Yeah. I think me and Paul had a lot of discussions. Uh, I don't, I don't recall any of them off the top of my head, but de- definitely that there was a lot of pressure from, you know, my mom, my brother, my, my other sister that was that was real strong in it as well. Um, but um, yeah I don't, I don't know that uh, you know I, I probably spoke a lot of French and just said we just <laughs> nodded my head to kind of get through it <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah there, there was a lot of pressure there and um, I, I definitely felt it and um, you know the, the episode when you guys were talking about the social aspect of the church, you know, I had a lot of friends in the church um, and I'm not really friends with them anymore. Uh, other than, you know, I've got a few friends that aren't in the church anymore that are my friends. But, you know, the ones that are still heavily in the Mormon church are not interested in really interacting anymore. I tried to reach out to a few of them on Facebook and they just weren't really, they weren't really interested in talking and catching up or anything like that. And when I would go back home, you know, I'd reach out to them and say, hey, I'm in town. Do you guys want to? You'll have a beer or something, <laughs> and, and uh, nobody would show up. But my but my non Mormon friends, you know, they come have a beer with me. So that's pretty cool. Yep, yep. that's that's the problem. You he said the B word.
2: You need, to, <laughs> you, you need to say RB. You need to say root beer. That's the key <laughs> to getting your Mormon friends to come hang out.
1: Yeah, yeah. But one wanted, wanted to ask if people want to go hang out and have root beer floats just sounds kind of weird. <laughs> it's like what is this like seventh grade? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting too when you said that uh, you had some conversations with Paul because Paul had talked about in previous episodes how he had already started kind of questioning during his mission. So, yeah. so how was that kind of having those conversations while you were yourself were already having questions, Paul?
0: Uh, you know, it was it was kind of a weird time, right? Um, I was the first uh, child in our family to serve a mission. Mm-hmm. My older sister did not, um, and so I felt I felt a lot of pressure to try to make sure that. I brought the the younger siblings along the covenant path as best I could. Right. Um, and, I, you know, it's interesting to hear Danny say that he doesn't remember much about that. And, you know, it's probably just, you know, slipped his mind, but I, I felt like I, I do feel like I put quite a bit of pressure on you uh, when, you know, when I came home, um, I, I don't know, it was coming back to Utah after having spent two years in in Europe was A tough transition. Um, Even though I, you know, had spent those years as a, as a Latter-day Saint missionary, it was not Utah, you know? And so being back in Utah was, was really tough. And, um, you know, I met Angela and we, we got pretty serious uh, with our relationship pretty quickly. And uh, kind of the first chance I got when she's, when she said, you know, why don't you move out here? Uh, to the Cincinnati area, I, I jumped at it and, and moved out there. So I was only home from my mission. Uh, I got home in May of, of 1999 and I, and I left Utah in December of 1999, right after Christmas. Um, and Danny, you know, he's, he's seven years younger than I am. So he was in the middle of his teenage years at that point. Um, I guess probably just starting with your, with your real questioning. Cause you were probably what around 14 at the time or something. And so, you know, when I, When I moved out here, he came out to visit. And of course, you know, you try to put on uh, a good big brother front, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're faithful in the church, that kind of thing. And of course, I had questions. I remember picking you up from the airport in Louisville and driving back and you asking questions about different things. And, you know, of course, dad was telling me you were, you were struggling, quote unquote, struggling with the church. And um, yeah, I I felt like I put quite a bit of pressure on you to, to serve a mission. Um, I don't know if you remember that or not, but I, you know, I feel like in telephone conversations with you, I really tried to encourage you in that direction. And, um, you know, I I felt bad about it because, you know, it it was clear it wasn't something you were you were going towards. Um, But, you know, I was trying to, like I said, bring you along the covenant path. So
1: did you feel it was kind of like, I don't know, I kind of when I was really struggling questioning around 2005, 2015, 2016, right before I kind of left the LDS church, I kind of ramped up my defense of the church as kind of like a compensation, I guess, for the questions I had. Did you have similar thoughts like that, Paul, when you're talking to Dan or others?
0: Oh oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I had, uh, I had aims of becoming a, an apologist. Um, you know, I wanted to study archeology span and go find the, the evidence for the book of Mormon in, in Central America.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, that was kind of what where my mind was in terms of what I was going to study. Uh, I didn't ultimately go that direction, but yeah. uh, Spent a lot of time online reading. I don't know if, I don't think FAIR had quite kicked off at that point, but, you know, reading stuff from farms and and shields and some of the other apologetics boards and and sites that were up at the time.
1: Cool. Yeah. That's, that's a, yeah. We had kind of a similar experience there. I've noticed that sometimes when we're witnessing to Latter-day Saints and it seems like we're not getting anywhere, a lot of times, when they're the most vehement in their defense of the church is kind of when they're almost at their breaking point. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's ha- hard to tell where they are at in their faith. Um, but yeah, so continuing off from kind of where we talked about earlier, unless anybody has anything to add, um, I wanted to, t- to kind of talk more about, uh, the transitionary period. So you'd both kind of described in your stories, your the transition between being a Latter-day Saint and a Christian, uh, Brianna, you kind of talked about how there was a period in your life where you were agnostic, um, did you, could you tell us a little bit more about that? I don't want to be, I don't want to be too probing, but did you, were you kind of questioning the existence of God and, and Jesus or did you, were there certain things of the LDS church you still held on to that were difficult to let go of? Or would you like to talk more about that?
3: Okay. Well, so I guess I was just more questioning whether God was real or not. And I kind of went off the belief that, you know, um, if he was then Mormonism would have to be true kind of, that kind of mentality. Um, But if he isn't, then I'm just like, what's the point? And uh, so I just kind of like started noticing some of the cultural things that were a little bit off, but it wasn't really so big of a deal. I still like thought that maybe it would be true and I'd give it a shot. But at the same time, I wanted to do my own thing. I was kind of rebellious and uh, just kind of like experimenting in the background while I was still attending church just to see, you know, that kind of thing. Um, uh, and uh, the question was about like the transition. So can you repeat the question about yeah, that?
1: Uh, just uh, more details yeah. about the transition from um, being a believing Latter-day Saint to non-believing, you know, like kind of like, I think you've answered it pretty well, you know, like, did your, did your ideas and beliefs change slowly over time or was it kind of like an all or nothing change? Or did you, even between Christianity and Mormonism, did you believe other things? So just kind of that that transition period.
3: Yeah. Um, Well, I wanted to, I guess, during that transition, uh, one of the big ideas that Mormonism that affected me was about the Bible. And, um, like, you know, they believe that it's been corrupted and it's missing precious truths. And during that transition period, I one of the questions I wanted to know was whether the Bible could be reliable or not. Um, and I started studying like the archeology span behind it and like uh, the history. And it really got a lot of my attention too, cause I'm like, you know, the Bible seems to have a lot more um, validity than any other, other LDS books of scripture. And so as I delved into that and then the history of Mormonism, and I just knew that at that point I'm like, okay, Bible's a lot more reliable so I want to look into this Christianity like um and at that point too I was you know su- kind of suicidal so like you know with my whole uh, not wanting to go to hell that's what kind of started that whole thing too um I reached out into a depression support group and I uh made a little post on there and there was this evangelical um guy this older gentleman um And he reached out to me in private messenger and he started talking to me a little bit about religion. Um, and, uh, he almost became an LDS like a Mormon years ago. And then he started talking to me about some of the things that got him to not go through with his baptism. Um, and so then he just kind of was there to give me some resources and that kind of helped me along that
1: path. Um, that's great. Thank great. Thank you very much. And you, and you were, you were also speaking earlier about how, so not only you were having more faith or understanding in the, the authority and the reliability of scripture, but you were also kind of describing how you could rely on Jesus alone. Right. Mm -hmm. Could you talk maybe a little bit more about that? Like learning to trust in Jesus rather than an organization or.
3: Yeah. Um, so, uh, with Jesus, (laughs) sorry, I might need to take some moments to respond to that question. Um, I, uh, I had to kind of come to um, a point when I realized that the scripture, that the Bible could be reliable, that I'm like, okay, Jesus, I started learning about like, um, his background and everything. And, uh, there was a video, um, that I had watched on YouTube. Jeff Durbin did. I don't remember. It was called the gospel for Mormons, I think. And, uh. I think that was actually during that video. I had been watching several of his stuff, but um, it was during that video where he kind of explained that you don't need this organization um, to be this sort of middleman for you and God. Like you could talk to God directly and he wants you to reach out to him and to have a relationship with him. For me, like as a Mormon, I thought he was kind of that God was just this far distant, like being that, I just didn't really have a close uh, relationship to. It's just kind of this. I don't know. Like you know how you think about um, kings and queens or like even celebrities. Like they're, they're just these people that are like way up there and you're you're out of reach with them. But God came down as a man and He was just as Jesus and He uh, just kind of became more relatable. I guess um, I don't know what else to add to that. But so would you okay. say that?
1: So when you're transitioning from the LDS church to Christianity, you would say that that God felt closer to you or he felt more real to you. How, how did that transition yeah. feel like?
3: Well, I, I think I came to that point too, where I didn't know what unconditional love was like until I understood grace. And before then I had never experienced that kind of love in my life. So once I did, then that's when it all made sense to, me.
1: That's great. Thank you very much. Uh, do you guys have anything to add? And I know I've kind of taken control of the conversation. So if you guys want to chip in and add anything, go ahead.
4: I did have a follow up question for for Brianna. Um, I, I can think back to like one, one part of my teenage years, like where I was, I was kind of in that transition period with you where I was kind of agnostic and I was just kind of going through the motions for, for my family. And, um, I had a paradigm shift where like all my thoughts changed on on, you know i was still kind of like well maybe it's true and i I don't want to be you know they always talk about don't be on the fence you either have to be here or here you can't sit on the fence and i was definitely sitting on the fence and so there was a point in my teenage years or the paradigm shift i'm just curious if you had one moment that kind of shifted your view as well or if it was just consistent throughout um i don't
3: know if i have like a specific moment when it really happened but it kind of like gradually just started shifting as I started developing more ideas about things uh going through different experiences but um I started developing this idea that you know people weren't perfect um like the first time when my dad cheated on my mom it was yeah it hit me hard but like I forgave him for it and I just thought you know like people just make mistakes you know they can change and all this, this stuff, um I had a problem with this one story that you know they kind of told this in young women's where um uh, this idea that like with the the chewed gum you, have you ever heard of that one um it's like this idea where like basically if you uh get into if you break the law of chastity um and get into involves another person before marriage and before you go to the temple, like nobody's gonna want you. Like your worth is like all chewed up. Nobody wants to eat cheap gum. So basically our we had to be completely virtuous and pure, um, and strive to go to the temple and um I had a problem with that because I thought nobody was perfect. Wasn't there repentance? Didn't Jesus, you know, didn't he forgive the woman who had committed adultery? Um, so yeah those little moments like that where over time I just started like having some issues with those kinds of things. I had something to that too like
2: I have this aunt that was a member of the church just for a short time and, and left um, but she told me and I guess my experience as a man was different than like what women go through at the church and and that's something I never heard of the whole chew gum analogy till I met Brianna because that's all just behind the scenes for me but Something my aunt told me that she was told in in the young women's classes if somebody tried to rape her or any of them that it was they it was better to die than to survive that and be a victim of of rape because having your chastity taken is just that. and I'm just like that is such an that's such a horrible thing to to tell people that even if it's against your will and something happens like you are no longer virtuous or wanted or you know or worthy and you never will be again it's just incredibly um incredibly strict and disheartening
1: yeah i I I know well maybe i had heard and i just forgotten it but i hadn't heard the, the chewed gum example but i did remember hearing i can't remember if it was just a thing that mormons said to each other or if it was on like a on like a mormon movie but they said it's like if you're when you go on a mission it's better to come home in a box than to come home early have you guys heard of that? Mm. I've heard that before. It's like, oof, man, that's rough. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, really? You know, would a par- I, I, I mean, I didn't hear from my dad or my parents, but I mean, if you were to say that to your kid, that's pretty messed up. Like, yeah. you'd rather they die than come home dishonorably. Yeah.
3: I sure. remember as a young woman, like they would kind of instill this idea too, that you had to marry a return missionary. That other guys who don't go on missions or if they failed their mission, like not worthy either so
4: that was one of those things too yeah the um the, the paradigm shift that i had when it was i was either 13 or 14. i remember um you know we had a youth a youth gathering and they were talking about hey ne- next week we're going to go to the martin harris patch and so they were they were building this pageant up and saying you know this this is this is why the church is true guys this is this is going to show you guys why the church is true and you know at that time I was kind of you know I, I was kind of like uh, on the fence and and not really leaning in either direction and so I went to this pageant and I was really into it I was, watch, I was watching every moment of the pageant and it got to the point where you know the pages go missing and I'm like okay okay he's just gonna re redo these pages and that that proves that it is true and you know <laughs> and then no, I'm not, I'm not going to retranslate the plates. I'm not, I'm not going to do that because then you're, you're just going to change them, right? And, and I was like, that that proves that it's not true right there. The fact that he won't go back and retranslate them proves that it's not true in, in my eyes. And so I, that was just a real like paradigm shift in my whole thought process as far as I, I, I can't believe it anymore and I really have to find a way to, to get out of this, right? And so... You know, when I graduated high school, I was dating uh, dating my high school sweetheart, and um, her mom the the reservation center uh, she worked for Southwest Airlines, and they closed the reservation center in Salt Lake, and so her mom transferred to Albuquerque, and uh, I moved with them. And so I remember my dad sitting down with me. Uh, it was it was the night before I was going to move, and he was basically pleading with me not to go, not to do it. Um, and, and he basically said, you know, uh, if, if this is really what you want to do, go, go ahead and do it. Um, but he's, he said, I don't think you should. I don't know that this is the right girl for you. Um, and you know, I told him, I, I, I you know, basically bore my testimony to him. I said, you know, this is the girl. Yeah, I love this girl and I'm going to move with her. And, uh, and I, and I haven't really looked back, you know, I ma- ended up marrying her down in New Mexico and, uh, I've had two beautiful children now, and I really haven't looked back. So, and uh, <clears throat> I got to say that, you know, a majority of my transition from Mormonism to Christianity has been in large part because of her faith. They're the, Lutheran, and, um, you know, a lot of my conversations that I've had with them, you know, uh, I, I had to deconstruct everything that I was taught about becoming a God someday. And, You know, I'm going to own, I'm going to have my own planet that I'm going to run. I did, you know, I I went through seminary and, you know, I, I guess it never really clicked that that's not in the Bible, you know, there were things that they connected from the Bible to the Book of Mormon, you know, in seminary class, but that wasn't one of them. And, you know, that was a hard lesson for me to learn (laughs) and going to a, a Christian church, you know, a Lutheran church and, and listening to the pastor, um, there were a lot of ways I thought that or things that I thought I knew about God that just weren't accurate. They weren't biblical. And, uh, that I I think, you know, Paul and I have had a lot of discussions over the years and I've had to deconstruct a lot of things. And, you know, I I really filled in the blank with a lot of stuff that isn't uh, scripture at all (laughs) to just to kind of bridge that from getting from Mormonism to, to the Bible. So, um, Yeah, it's uh, it's a challenge. And
0: uh, so talk a little bit more, Dan, about, uh, you know, when you started to attend the Lutheran church with Lauren and her parents, did you you started to attend with them in Salt Lake City before you moved to Albuquerque, right? Yeah, um, there's a church uh, in Utah called St. Matthews that they attended that I attended a few Sundays with them. Okay, is that where you played basketball? Is that where I went and watched you play basketball?
4: um i don't
0: think so i think that was another lutheran church that that had a gym okay so just a, just a few times in utah before you moved to albuquerque then
4: yeah i think i, I attended a few um, youth meetings with them youth gatherings and things like that um but really i think um, it, it probably wasn't until i moved to texas that i really kind of shook some of the agnostic feelings that i had i never really. I mean, I would go, again, it was kind of going through the motion. I I believe that there was a God. I just didn't know in what capacity. Um, And Brianna touched on a little bit about that relationship. And I really didn't develop that relationship with Jesus until I came to Texas. And there was a pastor at at the Lutheran Church, um, Pastor Luke, that, man, he he was fantastic. And he would just speak directly to you. He was so in touch and so... um, spiritually in touch with everything that the congregation was dealing with that it felt like everybody in that room felt like he was talking directly at them and the things that they were dealing with every every week he would just come and bring it and just really fantastic and in a lot of ways he changed um, changed my views and really helped me develop that relationship with jesus and encouraged me to to,
0: to really reach out and do that we're um what, what was it like starting to attend a, a Lutheran church, not Lutheran in particular, but just a Christian church, uh, as a former Latter-day Saint, were there, were there things about the the worship service, the communion that, that were different and, and difficult for you to kind of adopt or, or how, how was that as an, ex- you know, kind of as, as an experience for you as a, as someone, I know you were kind of agnostic at first, kind of in, in New Mexico, um, what was that like? Starting to attend a Christian church and and think through those things and experience a worship service that wasn't uh, wasn't Mormon because it's quite different. Yeah, it, it was quite different. Uh, but in a,
4: in a lot of ways, I think Lutheran the Lutheran traditional service that my wife's family attended was a fairly easy transition for me because you know it, it's not it's not the live music and all of that. It's just the the hymns and, and things like like the Mormon church. So I think that helped me a lot in my transition um you know it's it's funny because you know i would i would would take communion um with them but i was always taking the grape juice instead of the wine (laughs) because i grew up mormon i really don't like the taste of alcohol you know i just never I, i still to this day you know i'll drink socially but i really don't drink um for the pleasure of it really um don't like the taste i just never never developed the taste um but yeah, to this day, I'll still I'll still grab the grape juice, <laughs> and so um, and, and it tastes better than the water. So um, yeah, Does that
0: answer your question a little bit. Yeah, any follow-ups for Dan before we throw that same question to Brianna?
1: So just uh, curious, do you still attend a Lutheran church, or what church do you attend now? So with, with the
4: pandemic, uh, we, we started going to. Uh, a rock and roll church it's a lutheran church but it's very contemporary um it, it might it might be you know a, a sister church to the one you were attending michael because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they've got they've got the lights um it's it's kind of they've got car parts up on the wall um with you know the cross painted on the car parts and things like that it's just a very very cool church um the 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 lead pastor and and the pastor that um, and his, I I don't know what you call him but he's they've got two pastors there um, and they're just all tatted up sleeves of tattoos um, but they're they're really good guys uh, and and Pastor Luke at, at the previous church I was going to it was called Prince of Peace uh, he left and went back to his church back in I believe Nebraska and so the pastor that came in after him just didn't have the same like it just wasn't the same. Uh, They had, they had like an older gentleman that came in um, and he just, it it just didn't, it just, it didn't hit me the same way. And so we bounced around to several different churches around uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, We even tried a Methodist church at one, one point. um, And we landed at this, at this church, um, uh, it's called Soul Thirst in the the colony and uh, two, two great pastors and um, they speak to me, they talk, they talk about brisket and they talk about uh, queso and, uh, you know, that's all I need to hear. Sounds like my kind
0: of place. How do I sign up for that? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so Brianna, how about you? Um, kind of when, when in your transition did you start uh, attending a Christian church? What was that like to do yeah. that for the first time?
3: Um, so for a while there, I didn't know what church to go to. So I started, like, watching some of the sermons online, first with uh, the Apology of Church. That was, like, some of my first kind of church experiences, but it wasn't really going to church. Um, but then I, I got connected online um, with some people on the, the Ex-Mormon Christians group. And uh, Carrie, uh, she kind of, like, helped me. This lady named Carrie, she, she lived nearby at the time. And she's like, what? Like, I need to take you to church. And she brought me to Calvary Chapel. Um, so I got to experience that for the first time. It's like this little, like, kind of like a mega church. But they teach expository uh, chapters, like, each chapter and verse by verse. And um, that experience was kind of shocking. Um, I remember going to the, the service, and they had music. It was really loud. And it was very big totally different environment and I just sat down and I was just kind of like taking it all in and I'm like I don't know what to do uh and she was kind of funny because she was kind of standing there and she was like worshiping like her heart out and she was like with her hands up and kind of like dancing to the music and singing and it was so different but it also I, I felt like these people like they felt like more free like in in the mormon church during sacrament you had to be quiet and like reverent and like kind of stiff and um there they were free to worship like just just open their hearts out and uh i really liked that um going there is totally different but it was awesome
2: what about that uh what about that like pentecostal church you Uh, went and visited
3: yeah that was that was the first first church i visited um, on my own, uh, after doing some research online, I'm like I'll I'll try this one church, and it ended up kind of being a a little freaky for me. Um, it was in the evening, and they had like this kind of like uh, what what would what, what would you call it? Like they, uh, the preacher was up there, and he was like calling out to the crowd, and he's like I like he was like sensing like whatever illness in this person in their name, and then he was like I'm gonna bless you and poured the Holy Spirit on you and people were praying around him and like at one point too like they had everybody like kind of whispering and praying and like you could hear a bunch of voices all around you it was like it was really interesting but it was kind of it kind of put me off a little bit um but uh it it was it was good um
2: At least they didn't hit you or
3: no, anything. No. Uh,
2: you could have ended up in like one of those snake churches. That would have been a fun church to go to first as an ex Mormon. I, I,
4: I went to a, I went to an interesting church like that. To uh, my father-in-law, he, he plays guitar and, and he was playing in a lot of church bands. And one of the guys he was playing with was like, "Hey, uh, I got invited to play at this church, and he needs a lead guitar. We need a lead guitarist to help play." And so we went we went to this church, you know, the whole family went. Um, this is before me and Lauren had kids. And so it was me, my mother-in-law, and my wife. And we we pull into this address, you know, we'd never heard of it before. It was just a Joe's church. Um and it's kind of like an abandoned uh strip mall. (laughs) And some of the some of the businesses had like boarded up windows and things like that. And so we were just like, okay, what's going on here? so we go in go into one of the businesses it was a church and it was the only thing in the whole strip center that was open and so we go in there and it was it was similar to that you know they you know we we went through the whole service and it was it was semi normal you know it wasn't real normal and then at the end of the service you know then everybody started sticking out their tongues some people were talking in tongues um some lady was crawling up the middle of the aisle and I was like okay <laughs> let's go <laughs> but uh but yeah it wasn't um it wasn't anything that we were like okay we're gonna start attending this church it was just like they needed a guitar player and that was the, re- the sole reason why we were there but um yeah larry didn't go play there again <laughs> my father-in-law
1: <laughs> i was gonna point out earlier when you guys it sounded like your churches are a lot more exciting than mine it's like if you've ever attended a. You know, like in most Mormon churches, there's kinda of like the steady background noise of kids and ruffling and, you know, people eating Cheetos or whatever. But it's like uh you guys would probably feel really uncomfortable in my church because we have like a cry room and we don't keep the babies in the in the actual worship, you know, in the sanctuary. So it's like sometimes you can like hear a pin drop in there. So it's like sometimes when I reach in my pocket to get a tissue, I'm like careful don't do it you know it's like mission impossible you know you don't want to set any alarms off (laughs) you know they they call calvinists the frozen chosen for a reason so (laughs) just keep that in mind if you ever come visit
2: do they keep the air down really low there too or you know Uh, (laughs) uh,
1: good one good one (laughs) Uh, so in uh, any of these churches that you've visited after your transition out of the lds church did you ever encounter any kind of uh, legalism or legalistic tendencies um, and if you did, uh, how did you handle that? So Dan sounds like no. How about you, Brianna?
3: No, I did not really experience any of that um, going to any of the churches, but I do see it more online um, with some of the Christians on, on the forums, but that's, that's it. That I've personally
1: it is kind of funny interacting with a lot of Christians on Facebook or discussion groups because they could probably be the nicest people you'd ever know. But as soon as you bring up the topic of baptism or gifts of the spirit, it's like, you know, the gloves are off and, you know, they just turn into wildebeests. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, like you talk to them in person and they're, they're cool people. So yeah, I think the internet just engenders a kind of more, more conflict, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's, I've been seeing a lot of it recently too, like, especially with the election, you know, both sides just kind of like, you're not a real Christian if you vote for so and so. And I'm just like, that's that's kind of ridiculous and then you know halloween came and there's all these all these posts online like you're you know false christians are the ones you know celebrating on on halloween and and everything i'm just like it kind of puts me off and i think it's because of my my mormon background and all the legalism there you know but i'm just like okay that's a false dichotomy because i'm like even if even if that's true you know, even if it's wrong to celebrate Halloween, like there's not just those two camps. Like you could, there should still at least be a third camp, which is, you know, people who aren't as sanctified yet or haven't done their research. But I'm just like, oh, no, they're automatically, you know, fake Christians. And, and that's one of the things that just gets to me um, the most. And it's just um, that judgmental background that we came from. And every time I see it, it just makes me want to shut down immediately like i have no tolerance threshold for it at all i mean i don't know if you guys are are better at dealing with it than i am but it's just very hard for me and very triggering for me whenever i see it
0: yeah i (laughs) I, I struggle with it a bit um i i think mostly i've just learned to kind of turn it off you know what i mean because it i early on i probably would have said something you know if i saw it going on like in a facebook group that where i was involved um, but I realized it just a lot of times it just leads to arguments, um, and it is it is one of those things where it's like, okay, do I start arguing with this Christian in a Facebook group uh, where there might be Latter Day Saints who are going to use that as evidence that we're not unite, unified and that kind of thing? Um, so I just kind of let it go most times. But my my, my experience with with legalism um, in in uh, in church is is it, it was really refreshing actually because i remember one of the first so I, I think i talked about how our church when we started attending was going through a transition from one one lead pastor to a new lead pastor and they were co-co-preaching through a series on ephesians at the time that we started attending and then you know at the end of that co-preaching series there was like a special service where they actually made the the transition um, from one pastor to the other. And and the pastor who was retiring, he had been there for, you know, like 30 years. And the the new pastor coming in was, was a younger guy. Um, he had, he had been an associate pastor at a, at a pretty large mega church in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, Bob Russell pastored that church, Southeast Christian. It's one of the largest churches in the country. And, um, so he comes from that background, and and he came in, and you know he didn't change everything right away, um, but there were changes that were taking place, and 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 one of them was a transition in music. Um, and he preached a sermon on on legalism. I remember it was probably you know within the first eight weeks that we had started going there, and it was really refreshing to hear a pastor you know preach a sermon and and kind of talk about the Pharisees, and and say you know. As Christians, we have to be careful uh, not to be legalistic uh, about our faith, you know, in the, in the way that the Pharisees were. But at the same time, as Christians, we have to be careful uh, not to uh, be overly critical of the Pharisees because they were they were religious people. They were faithful, devout people um, following you know God as they knew how. And um, it was it was a very, really interesting uh, experience for me because I hadn't heard a message, anything like that uh, within the LDS church. Uh, where the, the message was clearly um, be careful about judgmental judgmentalism and legalism. And, um, you know, I remember uh, one of the changes that that they made is, is to the worship worship music. Um, they were they transitioned from a, you know, kind of like a more traditional uh, worship music with a with a choir backing choir uh, to, you know, more of like the contemporary uh, Christian uh, rock and roll style And, you know, I I was kind of, I kind of liked that. And they started doing, um, worships, worship nights. Uh, like if there was a fifth Sunday, uh, the, the, like Thursday before that would, there would be a worship night that you would just go and, you know, there really wouldn't be a message or anything. It would just be worship. And we, I attended a few of those, we attended a few of those. And there was one that I missed. And I remember I wish I had, I wished I hadn't missed it because after afterwards, apparently, um, a young uh, teenager got really into the worship music and, and got like more into it than just like raising his hand. He started dancing in the aisle. And um, I remember it was kind of a, it was kind of the talk of the church for a while because it was something that they hadn't really seen before. Um, and so there were, you know, there were people who were like, maybe you shouldn't do that. And there were other people who were like, no, he's, you know, he's worshiping. He's, he's connecting with God. You know, it was kind of an interesting conversation to, to witness as a, as a post LDS person. So. Yeah, I but that that's I talk about that a little bit because the, the, you can see there's a little tension there between legalism, right? Even re, with regards to that teenage boy as he's trying to worship and um, and you know the, the the whole idea of grace and, and not not being so judgmental.
1: I had kind of a quick follow up question to that too. Is is we've talked about in previous episodes how the LDS, one of the main I don't know how better to say it selling points of the Latter Day Saint Church is that they claim a special authority that goes back to the apostles and to Jesus and that they're the only true and living church upon the face of the earth. So in these Christian churches that you attended, did they say our church is the only true and living church upon the face of the earth? Or how did your churches view other churches?
0: Yeah, I'll go first. Cause it's quick. Um, you know, one of the, one of the axioms of the, the American restoration movement, um, is, you know, we're Christians only. We're not the only Christians. Um, and so, yeah that 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 attitude, that idea that that it's us or nobody else. And that's not to say that there aren't people within that within our movement that that do go there, um, but at least within the independent Christian churches, Churches of Christ um, branch, it's it's pretty pretty uh, not like that at all.
1: So, how about you, Brianna?
3: <laughs> Sorry, can you repeat the question?
1: Sure. So, did the churches you have? attended the christian churches you attended did they ever say any kind of language like we're the only true church or or did they have you know acceptable accepting views of other churches other christian churches
3: yeah um they they never said anything about like being the only true church or anything like that but they would mention like having a distinction between christianity and like false christianity um or yeah stuff like that but
2: can I add something to that yeah. too? Because she and I, you know, we go to the, the same church. We've been to a couple of the same churches now. Um, but it's interesting because you know, when you're Mormon, you think that all these Protestant churches all they do is is rag on Mormonism, you know, at least once a month. And I can honestly say I'm, I'm I've been out four years now and I've yet to see that happen, um, even one time. Now, our pastor is pretty vocal. Um, he does tell us all to be very careful. And he says that there is a lot of apostasy in Christianity. And there's a lot of people who don't take the Bible seriously and um, they're not teaching, you know, biblical truth. And it's something that we have to really look out for. So he does say that. And he's also spoken out against uh, Calvinism twice um, in his sermon, but I've never heard him say anything about Mormonism or, you know, or say anything about the other Churches aren't Christian, or even you know. I mean, we know he feels strongly against Calvinism, but he's never said that Calvinists aren't our brothers and sisters in Christ. Which you know, as Latter-day Saints, that's exactly what I would have expected him to say because I thought Christianity was more divided, and it, it really isn't. It's divided on on some theological points, but um, even within that division, there's still unity. So it's kind of, it's, kind of
3: interesting. Yeah. A lot of the times they'll acknowledge the differences, but still accept so the main essential stuff. That's what's important.
1: Yeah. Thank uh, you. How about you, Dan? Uh, yeah.
4: yeah um, within the Mormon church, that's the only time I've really experienced any church saying, Hey, one and only true church. Um, the only, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that about you know, being Mormon. You think that all the other churches are <laughs> talking about you. Yeah. i it's very rare, I think, in in all the years I've been attending uh, Lutheran churches and other churches. Um, I've, I think I've only heard the pastor mention um, Mormonism one time, and um, and it was really he, he was talking about um, false prophets and 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 having uh, other doctrine outside of the Bible. And you know, you mentioned being triggered. You know, that triggered me a little bit. He was talking about. Potentially, where these people may go, you know, they, they may be going to hell because they're, they're believing in something that's not not part of the Bible. Um, and so that kind of bothered me a little bit, and it kind of triggered me to get get kind of upset. I'm like, these are good people, you know. I know a lot of really good Mormons. They do a lot of good things, and you're telling me that they're going to go to hell to because Mormon. And uh, and <clears throat> I think one of, one of you guys' guests you guys had on, he kind of touched on that um, and asked. He asked all of you guys if you thought he was gonna be going to hell. Oh, it was uh what, the 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 Mormon guy the, the R- R-
1: Radio yes. Free Mormon?
4: Yes, yes. Oh Radio
2: Free Mormon, that's right.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh RFM. Um and so I, I really thought that that was interesting because I, I remember a conversation with uh, Pastor Luke about that. You know, my uh in-laws, they were transferring their membership over to this church. Um, the Prince of Peace church. And, um, you know, they were asking me, well, do you, do you want to become a Lutheran? And, um, you know, we got into the conversation about my family and potentially them going to hell. Um, and, and I remember just walking away from that conversation so mad because I'm, I'm like, who are you to judge anybody? Um, and, and um, I, I really appreciated you guys episode on that, by the way, um, because I never really came to a good resolution with that um when you guys talked
1: about that specifically um so anyway uh, i'm getting off track here <laughs> no that's good,
0: no, cut, good. Cut that whole part out <laughs> hey, hey michael and brianna i'm i'm kind of envisioning like a like a new song so if you two can get to work on it like you know, you know carly simon's song you're so vain <laughs> yep so it's something like that like you're so vain you probably think this sermon is about you
5: <laughs> oh my
0: gosh, we should do it. We'll have it by the next episode. Like that, <laughs> like it can be our new
2: intro.
1: That's great. Uh, yeah, so, okay, well, how should we move on from here? Um, well, I just want to chip in and say that, yeah, basically, I'm kind of in the same position uh, you were in, Dan, is it? I've heard my pastors in the past three years I've been in my church, uh, they've mentioned Joseph Smith, but usually it's only in a list of other people who have started religions like Charles Taze Russell, who started Jehovah's witnesses, Mary Baker, Eddy who started uh, Christian scientists. Right. And then uh, Ellen, Ellen G. White, although she's kind of on the border, some people are, you know, they have different opinions on seventh day Adventism, whether it's Christian or whether it's not. But so it wasn't like he made a sermon about Mormonism. He just kind of mentioned here are people who've started their own religions because they didn't like the way other people taught the Bible. So they wanted their own spin on things kind of a thing. So, yeah, I've never heard a sermon from him. Of course, we're in New York State, too. There's not a whole lot of Mormons here anyway. So I don't know why he would make a whole sermon about Mormons. Most of my church hasn't even met a Mormon before until they met me. So, (laughs) Um, yeah. So moving on, um, let's talk about how your family handled the news that you were no longer going to be attending the LDS church and either that you were just leaving the church or wanted to attend another church. So, um, Brianna, would you like to tell us a little bit about that?
3: yeah um at the time when I left I lived with my mom and two of my other siblings I had a sibling that moved to Utah um and she I think she got married like that year when I left Mormonism so it was like right before um but yeah I told so when I opened up to my mom about it uh she was really shocked and she didn't know what to say um I'd kind of try to tell her a little bit like what my testimony was I told her that I believe in Jesus, but I do not live in Mormon church and uh, just kind of try to keep it short. But I remember like that, that day I was in my room and I could hear my mom crying and she was just, uh, I think she was under a lot of distress too, because I was the oldest of my family. I was the most faithful of all my siblings and I was also her best friend, um, too. Um, and she kind of felt like, you know, she lost, she lost her marriage and now she's losing her daughter. And, um, I remember my sister Topanga, she had reached out to me and, um, you know, they were, they told me that they still loved me. Um, and that they weren't going to stop loving me. Um, they would want me to come back, but you know they, they were very respectful. Um, I didn't really tell a lot of people about it. It just kind of happened. I told my Bishop, I sent him an email. Um, I think the week before I stopped attending, I told him I I need to be removed from my calling because I will not be coming back to church. And he told me that he was sad for me, but he understood like, you know, he, he had left the church too, at one point earlier on. So he kind of understood that, but you know, people, uh, because they kind of, most people just kind of stay quiet about it. And um, earlier on with my relationship with my mom, it was kind of rough too, because uh, we started getting into arguments a little bit, uh, but that was quickly resolved. It's just, you know, we had, I had to go through a grief period and she was going through a grief period too. And we kind of needed to take some time apart um, so that we could reconnect. On better terms.
1: So would you say today it's a lot better than you're a lot more, those, those conflicts are kind of resolved more today than they were at the beginning?
3: Yes, they were. Absolutely.
1: And plus, uh, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Please. Sorry.
3: Don't... You definitely have to go through that grief period and you have to kind of distance yourself from, because it's, it's very close to home. And you, when you're going through that, um, it, can, it can hurt relationships if you don't um, go through that first you're grieving and transitioning and all
1: of that. Yeah. I I kind of likened, so my, when my parents divorced when I was about 12, and um, I felt like leaving the church felt kind of like a divorce where your whole life, all of your energy, like I spent two years in that church thinking that was helping people thinking it was helping me. uh, And then you kind of realize all that time, all that money, all that effort was kind of wasted and it was all for nothing. And now you're just kind of by yourself. You don't have that social network connecting you anymore. You're kind of on your own. So that's, that's why I, I don't know, I felt like I, I was going through a divorce and that's why I took time not to jump into another church. Cause I was like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to rebound church. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to just jump into the next church did you know, without really knowing what I'm getting myself into. Did you have kind of similar feelings like that?
3: Oh yeah. Um, it took some time for me to kind of have the courage to, to- and the emotional ability to move forward. Um, But it's very important to get connected with some good people. Um, Being in the online groups was very helpful during that time, especially because that's when you're most vulnerable.
2: We were actually talking a little bit today, me and Brianna, about uh, when you leave the church, there's kind of this religious fatigue. I don't know if you guys have, have gone through it, but it's just like, man, like, I'm just, after like 32 years for me, it's just like, I'm I'm just kind of tired, you know? And I think that probably kept me from seriously committing to a church for a while too. Like we kind of go to these bigger churches where we would just, nobody would know we were there and we were invisible. And for a while, I mean, that was really probably what we needed because I just didn't want to be asked to do anything or feel like I had any sort of commitment because I'm just like, I was tired. I didn't want to jump into Service again, or, or anything. So that's kind of how it was for me, anyway.
1: Yeah, uh, Paul or uh, Michael, did you have any more comments or questions before we ask Dan? Okay, Dan, would you like to share with us? Did you? Uh, so how did how did uh, your family handle telling them the news about not leaving the church? You talked a little bit about it, but maybe is there anything else you'd like to fill in the gaps?
4: Yeah, I, I, I think um, I think my mom and dad could kind of see the writing on the wall when I said I wasn't going to go to seminary my senior year. And, you know, uh, I was I was making up credits, you know, and so um, my senior year, I made up a bunch of credits my senior year to make sure that I could graduate and uh, seminary wasn't going to help that because you don't you go to this class, but you don't get any credit for it. So it's, it's a lost credit there basically. So I think, I think they were okay with that piece just knowing where I was with school. Um, but until the day my mom died, I probably had a monthly conversation about the book of Mormon being true. So (laughs) Um, I don't know that she ever let it go. Um, My dad, I feel like I feel like my dad's at least to my face. Anyway, I don't know any conversations he's had to Paul about me, but um, because it sounds like he put some pressure on you to put some pressure on me. (laughs) But uh, I, I feel like because of his transition, uh, to Mormonism from outside of Mormonism, that he was more okay with it. More so, it was my mom that would put a lot of pressure on me and have a lot of conversations. And a few months before her death, you know, we started reading the Bible together um, because, you know, I wanted to make sure that she understood that that's, that's the true gospel <laughs> and, and where it should lie. And so we really wanted to build a spiritual relationship together. Um, And I said, it won't be in the book. And I told her, I said, I will read the Bible with you. And, uh, and so that's, that's what we did. We started with Genesis and, and um, we made it through a few books before her passing, but um, yeah, that's, she was kind of the, the driving force. I never really, I have one more sister that's pretty active and she really didn't press me and. You know, Paul said that he pressed me a little bit, but I really don't recall him pressing me more so. I think we had some really great conversations. Um, and, and, you know, me not really believing uh, that Christ was my Savior, I felt like some of those conversations, um, although they were based in Mormonism, um, they really helped me, I think, at least hold, hold on to something.
0: Instead
1: of just letting it all go, did you have something uh, to add, Michael? How about you, Paul? I think I saw Paul trying to say something earlier, and then you stopped yourself.
0: Uh, I think I was going to jump in and say that
1: uh, I don't. I don't
0: think my dad was necessarily trying to put pressure on me to put pressure on Dan. Just um, you know, just in our conversations about you know, I, I had moved out here to Cincinnati area, and so you know, when they would come visit or when I would talk to my dad on the phone, you know, he would just kind of give me an update about how things were going with with uh, my siblings and the family and because i'm you know i'm away from home so it was more just kind of like you know he would just mention in passing that you were struggling or um you know that he was trying to he was trying to help you along by reading like tennis shoes among the nephites with you and and that kind of stuff but you know just kind of comments like that you know i don't think he was trying to get me to put pressure on you I, uh, when i said i felt pressure it was more more just like as a as a big brother you know who had served the mission i was like oh i've got to make sure he does this too, you know? So
2: I was just thinking too, like one of the big differences that's fascinating for me to hear about both from you, Dan and Brianna that I didn't experience was, you know, leaving the church while I still lived at home, you know, I already had some distance. And so it was for me, it was way easier. And I just imagine that it must've been a lot harder um, when you're uh, like right there like kind of in the lion's den with all that influence to uh to kind of fly under the radar or i guess not cause waves in in those circumstances i mean do you agree with that
3: yeah um all right you can go dan
2: go ahead
3: yeah um it's definitely hard when especially cuz uh you can't avoid it and the more you try to avoid it like the harder it gets you just kind of have to rip off the aid and Deal with it afterwards. I don't know. That's kind of how my experience went.
4: Yeah, it, it was definitely hard. I think um, you know, one one of my sisters, uh, I remember her uh, calling me the devil one day because because I didn't believe in believe it, and uh, and I remember how much that hurt me just personally. And, and I told her right there on the spot, I said, you know, I really don't appreciate you calling me the devil. Um, because I'm, I'm really, I really am a good kid. I'm trying the best that I can. And, uh, she did come down and apologize to me after that. But, um, but I, but I think <clears throat> some of that, um, carries within Mormonism is, that, uh, you know, I, I came, I came out, um, when I moved to New Mexico, like I felt like I was moving to a whole nother world <laughs> because I'd really not been outside of Utah for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. And so I had I had this perception of like non Mormons almost being, um, you know, uh, not not devil worshipers, but um, just just not not good Christians, I guess. Um, and, and so I have this perception. And then the people that I met outside of Utah are just incredible people. <laughs> and just like this, this whole perception of, of people outside of Mormonism just is not true. There's some really, really amazing people um And so, <clears throat> a, a a big problem for me leaving Mormonism was anybody that criticized somebody else. You know, because it, it's all about being a good person, following Christ's uh, teachings. That it is what it's all about. And um, I think I think us as Christians in general, we argue with each other too much as far as who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. When we really should just be focusing focused on those teachings. Um, that's yeah. it. But yeah, it was, it was rough. It was rough. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'd have to go pick up fast offerings on, on Sunday. Uh, you know, like I said, I was going through the motions and, you know, some of the houses that we, that would be on our list, <laughs> they were uh, no longer attending Mormon church. And, uh, you know, we, we call them Jack Mormons, you know, I don't know if they, if that term exists outside of Utah or not. Yeah. Um, we called them Jack Mormon, so we'd go knock on their house, and some of them weren't too pleasant to <laughs> to us uh, asking them for money. So I, I always wondered, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? Uh, one one time, the uh, I decided I'm not I'm not going to get up and do it this morning. And uh, my my friend's dad called me, and he he was like, "Hey, are you going to come do fast offerings? We could really use your help." I told him now I'm sleeping and he goes Would you'd rather sleep than do the Lord's work and I said <laughs> I said yes today and I hung up the phone and uh his his dad did not like me after that he really uh, he, he ended up being my scout leader later on and he just did not get along after that <laughs> that little interaction but no it was just that Sunday <laughs> I just wasn't feeling it <laughs> Oh my goodness! I was I was thinking too. That's that is so wild. Being called
2: the devil by by a family member. I think that happened to you once, Brianna. I won't make you talk about it because I know that was just a, a heated moment. Mm-hmm. That's that's just crazy. Because man, I'll tell you, I've been called a lot of mean things, but I don't think anybody's called me that yet. But I just don't understand um, how a Latter Day Saint can even call somebody in their home house that because you know in mormonism your home is a temple so if you're going to call somebody that then that's basically uh saying that your home isn't a temple at that point so it's kind of you know seeding that that idea and uh yeah that's just that's crazy to think about
0: but don't you think that it's don't you think that it's taken that seriously and that's that's why you get comments like that like if, if the home is a temple and someone's not uh, living the way you think they should within Mormonism, you know, don't, don't you think that that those teachings kind of would lead to that, that conclusion?
2: I, I suppose so. But, you know, in, in Mormonism, like they say that, you know, Satan and his, his angels, they can't, they have no power to, to enter a temple or even a normal church building. So that's kind of saying that some outside force has taken away the holiness of your, you know, your home and, or forever family. And and to me, that's just kind of, and maybe this is just me again, leaning towards the reformed position, but that's kind of giving all the, uh, all the strength to Satan instead of giving it to God. But that's just my, my opinion on
1: it. And I can see why families struggle so much. I was fortunate that my family, half of my family, you know, on my mom's side, they're not very religious. Um, And my dad, He's, he and his family are pretty strong Latter-day Saint, but my dad's pretty cool since he's, he's kind of had a similar experience, uh, kind of Dan, like what you were saying, your dad came from, your dad came from a non LDS background, right? And then he converted. So my dad had kind of, you know, hills and valleys in his faith. So, you know I think he was just happy to find out I was attending a church, you know, that I hadn't abandoned religion altogether but uh, salvation in, in Christianity it's it's basically seen as a relationship between you and Christ. are you are you personally in Christ? are you trusting him as your savior? Um, whereas in the LDS Church it's a family ordeal you know it's so focused on the family where you have to have a, a worthy priesthood holder as a father and a mother that's honoring her, her covenants also and the children are sealed to them and it's kind of every it's like an all- or-one all or nothing package kind of thing. So when someone wants to break off, it's like, they're trying, they're not just uh, affecting themselves. They're affecting the whole family. And so I think it's normal. It's sad to see, but I, th- I think it just means that it's a it's inevitable because Latter-day Saints take their religion so seriously. So on one hand, I see it as like a kind of a good thing because if they didn't take their religion seriously and they didn't, and they knew that you were going to have very serious consequences to your soul and they pretended like they didn't care, then you know what I mean? That would kind of show a lack of empathy or love on their part. But yeah, it is kind of sad to see that they're so caught up in this religion that is so focused on, we've all got to get through together. We've all got to do this. Um, you also talked about sharing the gospel with your family. Um, do you have any other lessons you'd like to share with our listeners who are maybe struggling to do the same, struggling to, to share their their faith transition with their families? Do you have any lessons you've learned that you'd like to share with them? So uh, Dan, would you like to go first? Uh, sure.
4: Um, I think just making sure that you anchor yourself in a church and some folks that you can trust and just making sure that you um, you don't you don't waver in, in Christ and you made the right decision and um, there is going to be a lot of pressure if, if you've listened to some of the previous episodes these guys talk about some of the the social pieces the, the <laughs> You know, there, there's family members. There's a whole, a whole social background that that you're losing by leaving. And so, um, just, just really making sure that you're rooted in that. And honestly, um, I really haven't, um, I haven't pressured a lot of my my own family. Um, and actually, I blame your podcast because now the Mormon missionaries are reaching out to me monthly. <laughs> So, um, which they hadn't contacted me in years prior to your podcast. So, thanks a lot, guys.
1: <laughs> hey, correlation is not causation, all right? <laughs> <laughs> but,
4: uh, yeah, I, 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 I personally, um, you know, if, if they ever reach out and, and ask me anything, I'll, I'll share, of course. But I really, um, it, it's, it's really touchy. I think, um, Paul would tell you you know, some of our family members will just completely shut down, try to have a conversation with them at times. Um, and, and we've had some breakthroughs with some of the family members where, you know, they've actually opened up and talked to them. And so I think it's just making sure that you plant that seed um, and, and allow them to take that journey, take that, um, that spiritual journey for themselves, because in, in some ways, the more you pressure them, the deeper they, they dig in and, That's really what I've found. And so I I just try to plant plant as many seeds as I can. And um, eventually those trees are going to grow and um, their spirit is going to grow in the right direction. I think God will lead them in the right direction eventually.
1: I really like how you said that we kind of need to be rooted in the gospel because if our foundation is our social surroundings, our friends, it's such a huge shift when you leave the LDS Church and you're trying to figure out where to go from there that it's like, your foundation is taken from under you. So you need to have something sh- sure and, and and strong to stand on, or else, I mean, we, we all have friends that have left the LDS faith, and many of them just reject religion altogether. They reject God, they reject faith, they become hypercritical of of anything supernatural or, or faith re- related. And it's really sad, you know, because sometimes, you know, a lot of times they'll end up being good citizens, they'll end up being, you know, it's not like they go and become criminals, but at the same time, you you see, I don't know, at least I see sometimes people become very bitter and very hurt. And I, and I understand that. I think we all understand that to a degree, but there's just so much like, you know, just because there's false religion doesn't mean there is not true religion. There's not true Christ and salvation. And it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater to just give it all up. Um, So, so we've really got to be rooted in that when we share it with others and we've really got to do it in love and with patience, like you said, and it's so, like LDS, the LDS church is not just a church. It's their whole culture. It's their whole identity, their ancestry. Like they have, you know, pioneers that go back generations a lot of times. And so it's like you're rejecting the religion they their ancestors have had. So it's really difficult. Um, Paul or uh, Michael, do you have anything to add to that before I ask uh, Brianna? Okay. Brianna, would you like uh, to share any lessons that you've had when, you know, sharing your faith transition or trying to share the gospel with your family or friends?
3: Yeah. Um, basically everything that Dan just said to, um, but on top of that, um, I don't know to add to that. Um, just kind of go with the expectation, like know with the ex- like not to expect like uh, things to always go completely well. Like just to go with the expectation that it's not going to be easy. It's going to be very hard, and you know they may not respond the way you necessarily want. But it's it's normal um, to feel both afraid and for them to feel. The way they might feel um, just give it some time um, just stay in touch with yourself and um, getting into the scriptures and understanding what you really believe um, before you even reach out to anybody or to try to teach them I know that I made some mistakes initially um, I was really I get really fired up and you know especially when you leave and you find out the truth like you get really fired up and you just want to go in there and save them, but it can be counterproductive when you do that because then it just instills in them that you're just this angry person and um, just wanting to t- show them what's right instead of just loving them. Yeah, I think that's really important just to, to love them and don't be so hard on yourself either. Um, just give it some time.
1: Yeah. Like, like Dan was saying, plant, plant those seeds and then kind of leave it to God to, mm-hmm. to nourish those seeds that's what's really helped me to coming to Christianity is like as a missionary, I felt like as an LDS missionary, I felt like my salvation was on the line and the salvation of everybody I talked to is on the line. So I had to say all the right words. I was constantly paranoid that like, I was going to send all these people to outer darkness and all that. So it was like, it was up to me to say just the right thing to get them to become Latter-day Saint. And of course, I mean, I went to Europe. I mean, Paul can, he can, uh, <laughs> he can relate to that. It's not easy over there. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like religion, but now knowing that like God's in control, and we're just called to be faithful and to preach the gospel. That's such a, like a huge weight off my shoulders. I don't, you know, it's not up to me to save anybody. It's up to Christ. I think that's kind of what you were saying, Brianna said, just leaving it to God. Yeah. Thank you for uh, sharing all that.
2: Yeah. I had a, a couple of thoughts too, just to piggyback off all three of you, you know, said things I really liked just now. Um, Dan, I liked how you said to get rooted in, in the gospel because, you know, you come out and people want to ask you all these questions immediately and, From my experience, I didn't even know how to articulate my reasons for leaving yet. You know, I was still trying to figure it out myself, like what brought me to this point. And then the more I tried to explain it without being ready, I feel like, you know, now I look back at it and I'm like, oh, if only I'd known how to explain things the way I do now. And and so I feel like, you know, it's easy to kind of go with what you said, Matthew, you know, it's easy to end Brianna it's easy to panic sort of as a a new Christian too and be like, Oh my goodness, my whole family is still stuck there. And if I don't do something right now and convince them like today to leave the church, you know, they're going to have an eternity of suffering. And I think we just need to (laughs) calm down a little bit. And um, I'm not saying like not try to reach our family members, but, but I'm saying to to trust God A little bit you know like what you're saying Matthew and and realize that it's not us saying the magic words you know that God's got things under control God's not up there on his throne fretting and crying and panicking and we don't need to be doing that either and and I think it is good to have discussions with family members but I think what's more important especially early on like you said Brianna is is to love your family and a lot of ex-Mormons, you know, they try to talk to their families and then it gets heated and then they have no relationship with their families anymore. And then there's just fingers kind of pointed like, well, it's them. They don't want to talk to me, but it's kind of both, both sides to a degree. And it's really important when we leave, I think, to show our families that we love them, to reach out to our family members, you know, just give them a call and just say, hey, how are things going? in your life right now, just continue to, to be there for them. And and if you can't prove something doctrinally, I mean, Mor- Mormons care so much about orthopraxy and, and correct practice, you know, just, just living a life that, that they can't point at you and say, well, you left because you wanted to sin. Um, but, but actually having that relationship with Christ and just, uh, you know, living a, a Christian life in and of itself is something that, you know, they, they're going to take notice of. So that's, that's what I'd say.
3: I do want to mention, like, you can't, um, not everybody is going to be receptive. And some people, even no matter how good you behave or love on them, some, some relationships aren't going to always be fixed. And that's also something that you're gonna have to like, uh, kind of deal with, I guess, and realizing too, that, you know, Maybe it wasn't as strong of a relationship as it was, but you just—the most important thing is to just uh, do your best to love them, um, no matter what.
2: Yeah, and, and I think another thing to add to that—and we're not trying to take over <laughs> the, the podcast here—but um, just to realize that a lot of times when that does happen and when there's alienation, it isn't personal. It is—it is these members of the church just doing what
0: they think they have to, and and it's the church. It's not it's not, not cuz of you. <laughs> yeah. I I've m- I definitely made mistakes uh in trying to reach out to family. Um you know, initially when we left, uh I you know, talked about my detour through kind of like Sunstone and Dialogue Mormonism and through Mormon stories, kind of more liberal type Mormon related podcasts and, and and those types of things and a lot of people who who kind of go that route and they deconstruct Mormonism, the the tendency is to want to, you know, write a long letter to their family or whoever, uh, they're connected with within Mormonism and, and prove everything wrong. You know, you got like CES letter and, 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 and then just, you know, all the, all the, all these other kinds of letters that people have written to their, to their spouse or to their Bishop or whoever, you know, and it's, it's very focused on trying to, trying to deconstruct Mormonism for them. And when I, when we left, I really didn't want to do that and so I, I just kind of drafted a quick email to the family to let them know hey we're leaving we don't think you're horrible people you know we just we've got to do this for us you know we've got to find relationship with christ and um i remember one of my sisters had a had a reaction to it that i didn't expect because i really tried to be uh and dan you can tell me if i was successful but i really tried to be uh accommodating in in my email to just say hey you know, we." we're leaving and it's, it's for us. And, you know, we just want you to know because we love you, you know, that, that this is going on with us. And uh, one of my sisters reached out and was like, okay, never talk to religion, never talk to me about religion again. And you know, that it surprised me and and it hurt me. And um, I had to respect that wish, you know, that she expressed to me. Um, and so I just I didn't for a long time. And then, you know, she started deconstructing Mormonism and then reached out to me and apologized for asking me not to talk to her about religion. And so then I, and I'm like, all right, I've got a green light. And I jumped right in and started preaching. And she was like, that don't want it, (laughs) you know? And uh, so, you know, it's it's tough, you know, mistakes are made. And, um, you know, I, I have to tread lightly with my siblings and, and try to do the best that I can. I've had really good conversations with, with all of them. And I've had tough conversations with all of them. So it's, you know, like, like Brianna was saying, you have, you have to, you have to realize that the relationships are going to be tough because of this. Um, and, and you just have to do your best to love your family. And, and Michael, you touched on it too. That's, I mean, that's really the most important part, right? Because I've had, you know, if, if you're, if you're just angry um, and you're not grounded, like in the gospel, like Danny said, you know, if you, if you're just angry, then Latter-day Saints won't want to hear what you have to say you know, and if you're just, if you're just deconstructing Mormonism for them and you're not giving them the gospel in an, in an effective way, um, both, both by preaching and and through your life, then, you know, I've had, I've had Latter-day Saints tell me, you know, why, why would I listen to you? You don't have anything better to offer, you know? And, uh, that's when I, when I've heard that and how or been told that by Latter-day Saints, it, it really is a, a moment where you have to take a step back and say, whoa, you know, I've got to, I'm going to change up my approach here. Cause this isn't, this isn't effective. So,
1: yeah, I wanted to just add to um, whenever we share the gospel with friends or family that are LDS or otherwise uh, the passage that always comes to mind is first Peter three. So he's speaking about suffering for righteousness sake. And uh, in verse 14, he says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed, have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So what, no matter how they react to the message, we, we can't, we can't go against what Christ has ordered us to do to be patient, respectful, loving. We can be bold of course, but, um, I think just yelling at somebody that they're going to hell is probably not (laughs) the best way to do it. But uh, yeah, we always need to honor Christ in our our heart first um, and to honor him and to always be ready to defend the faith. So I think I just wanted to share that really quickly. Um, So a lot of Latter-day Saints, when they leave the church kind of talking about this topic of apologetics, sharing the gospel, a lot of them, as soon as they leave the church, they want to start up their own ministry, um, either apologetics or like, you know, outreach kind of ministry. Um, did you ever consider doing that? Do you think that's a good idea or why or not? Why not? So uh, Dan, how about you go first? You know
4: um, my mother-in-law, she suggested that to the, to the pastor that we had any um, ex-Mormons that came into the church, if I would be willing to, to kind of befriend them. And at the time um, I was not interested in that. I was into my own spiritual battle. Um, and so I, I really wasn't interested in trying to help somebody else if I can't even help myself. And so I, I think I think where I'm at now, I definitely would uh, be willing to help somebody along that, that path. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's I, I have been approached
1: about it, but no, I have I haven't ever been involved in one yet. Yeah, awesome. How about uh, how about you, Brianna? Uh,
3: yeah, no, I uh, didn't really feel that pull to really get into ministry, but I do kind of understand why some people might Um, because you know when you're new out and you have this testimony you're on fire and I was starting to go down that road a little bit with my family and had to quickly realize that that's dangerous Um, and it's very important to first be grounded in several areas you need to be involved in a church have some like pastoral like um, guidance and like to just Study the, the gospel more and the scriptures, um, understanding things on a deeper level, um, because if you don't, then you run the risk of uh, developing uh, heretical, I guess, like things, and, you know, you could lead other people down a path that you don't want them to go down. Um, there's a certain level of maturity that you have to reach, I think, before you could start a ministry or getting involved in that kind of
1: thing. Yeah, for sure. I I can think of, maybe you all know who I'm talking about, but I can think of one major figure who left Mormonism and started a ministry and has since left Mormonism and says that he now uh, follows Judaism, rabbinical Judaism. And um, it's, it it was, I don't think he was very well grounded in the new Testament. I think he took a lot of the hypercritical ideas that he used to deconstruct the book of Mormon and started doing that with the Bible but in such a way that I don't think he quite grasped the foundations of the New Testament and how it was a fulfillment of the Old Testament. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a really, it's a really risky thing, I think, to go in. It's, it's one thing to just witness to people and say, you know, I believe in Jesus you know, and share your experience, but it's another thing to like go into a full-time ministry where, you know, especially if that's like becomes your job or, or you know, you go around and, and give, you know, uh, seminars or, or whatever to workshops to people to teach them how to witness to Mormons, because it's not only the fact that you, you might not be well grounded in the doctrine, but if there's a lot of notoriety and a lot of attention you can get as a former Latter-day Saint who's now Christian. And that attention and that fame can kind of really go to your head and get to your ego. So if you're not grounded in doctrine and in Christ, that's a really huge temptation that I know for myself, that would be way too much for me to handle. You know, if I was suddenly being asked to talk to crowds of thousands of people and, you know, tell them about my story and they're hanging on my every word, that's just way too much to handle. And um, yeah, I think you need to really be grounded first before you do any of that. Um, Paul or Michael, do you have anything to add?
0: Yeah, I mean, I totally Get what you're saying about um, the temptation to to soak up that that notoriety, right? I never spoke to groups of thousands, but I, you know, at at church there was a um, one of the Bible study fellowships for one of their series uh, decided to um, study through the Kingdom of the Cults just so that they would have an idea of um, you know what do what do kind of uh, non-orthodox uh, groups teach and and believe so that if we you know if they ever were to interact with them um, they would understand it and the 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 guy who was leading that class knew that I was an ex-mormon so he invited me to come in and speak to speak to the class you know and there's definitely this oh suddenly you know I'm I'm a I'm an authority here simply because I'm an ex-mormon right but I was really new in the Christian faith at that time and and then I remember one other time, um, sitting with some Christian friends in in one of their homes. And the, you know, my friend, uh, mentioned that, Hey, you know, Paul here is a, is a ex Mormon. And of course, then everybody has a lot of questions, you know, it's a dinner party and everybody just wants to know all kinds of stuff. And, you know, so you can, they're asking the questions and you're, you're explaining the differences and, you know, there are, there are major, major theological differences and you can get into ground where, um, it really enthralls Christians because they're like, Whoa, I didn't realize they believed that, you know, kind of stuff. And there is that temptation to be like, Oh man, like you were saying, they're hanging on my every word. Right. And I remember, um, you know, kind of thinking through that experience and and thinking, you know, that's not really, that's not really what I want. And I almost went to that place of, of wanting to defend, you know, like, Oh, it's not as strange as you're thinking kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, I remember thinking through that and thinking, you know, I really need to get, I really need to get grounded. And, and that's when I kind of started to consider going to uh, a Christian seminary, you know, and I didn't really have, um, I didn't really have aims of, of you know, going into ministry, uh, necessarily. Um, uh, but I wanted to learn, I wanted to study, I wanted to grow in the faith, you know, and really get grounded in, in the Bible and in God's word and, um, and understanding Christian history. And, and so I, you know, I got, uh. Registered to go to the seminary, and the um, the advisor who who I was assigned reached out to me and said, "Hey, let's meet for lunch." And we got together and you know talked about my background. And he asked me, you know, "Are, are you going to go into ministry? What, do, what are you thinking your your ministry goals would be?" Because you know, if you're going to Christian seminary. That's generally what you're what the students are thinking. You know, they're going to get into ministry in some way. And of course, I didn't really have any any thoughts in that regard. I, I was really just, Hey, this is, this is for me to get grounded. <laughs> and I think it kind of caught him off guard, but he was like, yeah, that's, you know, with your background, that's probably a good idea, you know, and, and maybe, you know, through this process, you'll find, find what your ministry will be. And, and really this podcast is it, you know, this is where I've landed for now um, with ministry, but yeah, it, it, it is important to get grounded. You see, you see the, you see a lot of people will jump right into trying to reach Latter-day Saints. And there's still, like Brianna was saying, there's a lot to process through and a lot to kind of deconstruct and, and then reconstruct, right? In terms of what what puzzle pieces from what I had before fit the Christian worldview, which ones don't, what does the resulting structure look like um, when you actually build it rightly on, on Jesus Christ as the foundation. Um, and if you don't have that grounding, if you don't take the time to do that you do end up being, I think a lot of times a a tinkling symbol, right? You're just, you're just angry and you just push people away. And, and, and like Brianna also noted, you you know, you can lead people down paths that are not uh, not in line with God's word. So it's important to get grounded. Yeah. Thank
1: you for that, Paul. Yeah. I I really wanted to point out too that I really loved how Brianna had pointed out that you need to be in a body of believers somewhere and submitting to, Solid biblical preachers who have authority—not not to be authoritarian over you, but to be your be kind of like shepherds to make sure that you are being taught right. You know that that uh, there are certain things that you're not. You know that you're being fed spiritually, and because there there are a lot of ministries out there where they are, I don't. Uh, I guess you could say paraministries ministries or ministries that are not associated with the church. They're kind of like their own thing, and uh, they're not. You know, sometimes you'll ask them, they're not part of a church or they don't or they'll bounce from church to church. And so what what's to stop them from teaching whatever they want? You know? They could teach whatever they want and they would have no repercussions. There's no accountability and that's scary. But when you're when you're dialed in, when you're when you're tied to a church that is solid and you have solid preachers and and they're aware of your ministry and what you're doing. And they view your content, and they're making sure that everything is okay. Then there's accountability there. And before, when, um, so I was kind of like the third, the third wheel, or the fourth wheel, or fifth wheel, whatever the whatever the colloquial phrase is. Because Paul and Michael had kind of come up with the idea for this podcast, and they were trying to find a third. And they're like, I don't know, there's this crazy Calvinist guy. I don't know, he might be one of those like cage stagers. I'm not sure. He might be a little bit crazy. But then they approached me, and I was like, okay, well, you know, I think I remember saying I'll get back to you on it. You know, let me think about it. And uh, I told my pastors about this project that we wanted to do because that was one thing that was really on on the front of my mind is I was like, you know, I've only been out of the church two years. You know, I feel like I've learned a lot, but at the same time, I don't want to go off the rails. I don't want to lead anybody else off the rails. And so I talked to them about it and made sure it was okay with them. And they said they really loved the idea. Um, They supported me and uh, they've listened to some of the podcasts. They haven't listened to all of them, but they've listened to some and they've really appreciated what we're trying to do We're, um, We're trying to, you know, reach Latter-day Saints who may be questioning and, you know, share with them our faith journey. So I really appreciate their support. And, you know, occasionally they'll pray for the podcast um, at our church. Uh, I was the person of the week for our prayer meeting this week. So I asked for, you know, for prayers for to reach more people that the podcast would, you know, would, would God could use it as an instrument to bring people to him. So it's really great to have, not just us working on it, but to have other believers praying to God that it would be effective and that it would be, you know, it'd have a wide audience, a wide reach. Um, so there's just a lot of benefit and there's, and I think it's really necessary to, to just be part of a church at all. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of times people will just say, especially la- former Latter-day Saints, they'll say, well, I have Jesus. That's all I need. You know, I don't need a church. I just have my Bible. And, you know, that's true. You don't need a church to be saved, but at the same time, it's like, okay, you can have a plant and you can give it a couple drops of water every couple months, just enough to keep it alive. But is that really going to make the plant as big and as, you know, as healthy and as lively as it could be? So you're really missing out on a lot if you're not joining yourself to a church. Sorry, that's my little PSA for, for, uh, listeners who are on the fence about that.
2: I, I wanted to jump in here too, because this is a subject that I feel really passionately about, um, I mean, I left the church, and for me, it just felt really natural to kind of jump onto the debate groups and immediately um, start um, debating Latter-day Saints, because I'm like, well, I'm already an apologist, so this is just totally natural for me to to not take a break and just immediately kind of go into this. And um, Matthew, when you were talking about somebody who, who jumped into ministry and and left the faith. I mean, three other names just popped into my, my head immediately, like three other examples that I can just think of. And I can't think of a single time where it's worked out positive for a Latter-day Saint who just immediately jumps into ministry. And I saw all those examples and I kind of backed off for a while. And then I kind of felt like I should, should jump back in. And I asked my, um, my mentor, what he asked me was if I still had animosity towards the church, and I said that I didn't, and he said that he thought I was ready. But in retrospect, I think I was only about halfway there at that point. I think kind of losing the animosity is a a big key step before you can jump in there. But one of the other problems that I discovered that I had, and it really took the spirit telling me that this was a problem that I had because I didn't recognize it as a problem, but I really seemed to like the praise of man more than I should. And, uh, you know, I started, I was writing articles about Mormonism and people were like, Oh, that's, you know, that's brilliant. You're a genius. And, um, I would just love hearing stuff like that. And then we started the podcast and I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting my name out there and this is, this is great. And the spirit just really was like, you know, you should care more about God's God. and, oh my gosh, it just, just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I remember I came home and told Brianna about it. And I was, I, I can't even look at eyes that night when I, uh, when I came home because I, I just been so, uh, so self-absorbed and, uh, and yeah, it's just totally uh, kind of changed my, my viewpoint on everything that I do now. And um, it's just like, yeah, I, I, I think that I have the, the right motivation now because I do just want to, to glorify God and, and to help anybody who might be listening to this podcast. But there was definitely a pride factor going on there. And one of the big things that I realized was I hit this point where I felt like I could debate Latter-day Saints really well. Um, And I had a lot of these articles out and things, but then there'd been this opportunity cost where I think I'd been out maybe two years, you know, and, and I'm like, where's my sanctification? you know, how has my relationship with Christ grown in this time? And, and I had to step back and say, it hasn't, it really hasn't. And I need to step away from this because this is a distraction and, and I need to build that relationship with God and I need to get into the Bible and I need to, I need to focus on Christ right now. And so I did, I took that, that break. Um, it was actually right when I got married, we took a year, I took a year off and at first it was really hard. I'm just like, I couldn't get off of Facebook and stop debating Latter-day Saints, but I finally just got away from it. And that year was just so essential for me to uh, actually just grow in my faith. And, and uh, I would mm-hmm. just say that to anybody who's who's an
0: ex-Latter-day Saint who wants to jump right in the ministry. Um, I really advise against it. Yeah. I, I remember That time and and reaching out to you around that time about starting the podcast, because I was just kind of coming out of seminary and thinking, okay, what, where am I going with this ministry thing? And what is, what's it going to look like? And I reached out to you and I remember you telling me, you know, I really need to, to take this time and and you explained why. Um, And I remember thinking, you know, yeah, that's, uh, that's really mature and really uh, a good thing to be doing. Um, And I was, you know, happy to, to postpone and, and just keep planning you know, for the time when we would actually bring it to fruition. But I think that was a good move on your part. I've got a question for you guys,
4: if you don't mind. Um, One thing that I struggled with in my transition to Christianity was that I felt like there was less there. Um, Did you guys experience that at all? Uh, Leaving the Mormon church feeling like, okay, we no longer have the priesthood. Um, There's not, temples anymore well i mean depending on the church you're going to now but (laughs) um did did you guys have that feeling at all in in some of my deconstruction you know that was some of the things i struggled with i was like okay well you know where's all the stuff about the afterlife in the bible you know (laughs) it wasn't as much as i felt like there was in mormonism Um, and so i struggled with that a long time until i really got myself anchored within christ and just gave myself to christ Um, did you guys experience that at all as well?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I really struggled with is like when I, so when I was still LDS and I was struggling, you know, for my identity or just feeling, I have a lot of perfectionistic tendencies that also feed into my procrastination, which is a really bad combination because you don't want to start something because it's going to be terrible. So then you just wait and wait and wait until the last minute. And then you're like, oh, I got three hours to do this homework assignment. I'm just going to just do it even if it's garbage. So I really struggle with that. And um, so I, I struggle with like beating myself up a lot, not being good enough. And, but one thing that always gave me comfort was this idea that I'm a priesthood holder. You know, I'm an elder in the church. I, have, I hold a Melchizedek priesthood. I'm not perfect, but I feel like I'm quote unquote worthy. And then like, you know, being in the temple, you know, I saw connections to that of like the priesthood in the old Testament. And so like leaving that behind, I was like, well, so you mean, I'm just a guy now I just go to church and I just praise God. And like all the learning I've had is kind of like for nothing, you know, and like all my experiences as a missionary that was like, you know, I'm just a normal dude. Now that was really hard for me to, to deal with. Um, not so much the differences in doctrine, just because I felt like the Bible is so rich when you really dive into it, there's so much you can learn. Um, but I do see kind of what you mean in the sense of like less detail, I guess, you know, like in the sense of there's not the different degrees of glory and there was no pre-mortal existence, you know, kind of shifting my ideas on that. But that didn't really bother me. I was like, well, if it's in the Bible, I'll believe. But it was more personal identification of being like, oh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm a true believer now. You know, I believe in Christ. But like, I don't know, I just didn't, I struggled with feeling, quote unquote, special, I guess. And I think that's one thing the LDS Church does is in a sense is make you feel like, you know, you're so awesome. You're so special. You're different than everybody else. You're, you know, and I I felt like I kind of lost that, but it really just took time to kind of shift that, that thinking around. It took time and to realize like, you know, we're all believers in Christ. You know, we're all part of the Royal priesthood in a sense where we offer sacrifices of, of, you know, our time and our abilities and our faith to Christ. So in a sense, we're still priests, but uh, but yeah, so that was, that was what I struggled with a lot.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't know that I struggle with that, but I definitely I see that as a as kind of a comment that is given often when I'm having dialogue with Latter Day Saints. Is you know the, the things that you mentioned the priesthood, the temples, the you know kind of the the anthropocentric, the humans human centered uh, kind of theology of uh, you know there, there's a sense that yeah if I, if I were to leave Mormonism I would leave I would lose this whole sense of of my uh, destiny and what I can become. Right. Um, yeah. There's definitely, there's definitely that as a sentiment. I don't, I don't think that I really struggled with it because of the way I left Mormonism because of the way I kind of deconstructed through that liberal side of Mormonism. So some of the more Orthodox theology and, uh, and and then practices like temple attendance kind of fell by the wayside uh, several years before I left Mormonism. Um, and so I, I kind of set that down before I started, Studying Christianity, and then when I did study Christianity and kind of get into the depth of the of Christian theology and the depth of the symbolism that's in the that's kind of woven throughout the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, it really kind of sparked an interest in me. and And so I didn't. I, I don't think I had that that feeling, but I, I do get that uh, from Latter Day Saints that I talk to that they think that it's less than.
2: So I would I would say that sometimes less is more, though. And, uh, you know, one of the things I, I really like is just that, um, you know, that, that phrase, be still and know that I am God. But there's definitely something about not being so busy and, and actually just sitting back and, um, and looking at God with awe and wonder and seeing all that he has done and resting in the Lord. And those are all concepts that were completely foreign to me as a Latter-day Saint. Um, but... I think there's a lot more in there. And I think, yeah, for a little while I was kind of going through that too, Dan, where it's just like, okay, like there's, there's no boundaries here. You know, a lot of the churches I was going to, like there's no liturgy or anything. And it's just like, this just feels very shallow. And what I kind of found was some of the churches that I was trying out originally, they were kind of shallow because they weren't really teaching um, out of the Bible very much you know, then maybe there'd be like a verse or two. And what I found kind of helped me was going to like a church where they do just focus on, you know, one, one chapter of the Bible and they just read through that and, and talk about what that means. And um, for me, having a little bit more scripture uh, helped and actually reading, reading the scriptures. and um, But, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my answer to that. It's just, less is less is you any thoughts on
4: that brianna no no i appreciate you guys weighing in on that i I struggled with that a long time um and i was looking for all these answers in the bible that that you know mormonism had that i didn't have anymore and honestly the the, the, until i really just let go and and made the determination you know i'm going to give everything to christ i'm not in control which is something that was instilled in me when I was growing up is everything you do, you control your salvation, but that's not true. Until you really give it all up to Christ and, and know that you're his, um, you really don't, you really don't feel it. And, and you guys hit on it. Um, I know you guys have all in, in all of your transitions um, you guys have talked about that. Is when you, when it just comes over you and you feel there's nothing you can do, you're his now. Um, yeah, that was that was huge for me. Um yeah. What other questions do you guys
1: have? <laughs> I don't want to take over your podcast. <laughs> yeah, Paul and I'll leave. Again. It'll it'll just be you three guys. <laughs> you can take over. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're going on a sabbatical. <laughs> no, thank you guys for sharing that. I appreciate it. Um one thing that really helped me too is just realizing that when you read the Bible as a Latter day Saint, I was always thinking about like what is God promising me? Like what is He gonna give me? you know, and then once you read the Bible, but uh, no, like when you read the Bible and you you find out that it's not about what God is doing for me, but it's about God. It's about us glorifying God. It's about his plan of redemption. Um, That, that changed a lot for me too. Uh, So do you guys have any advice for listeners that uh, you haven't already given tonight? You know, like maybe people who are struggling with the transition period or post-transition or who are afraid to dive in and, you know, make that decision to leave the LDS church. Do you have any advice for them?
2: I have one thing that just comes to my mind, and that is uh, two two things. But it's natural to feel a little bit angry when you leave the Mormon Church. Uh, but I would just say don't uh, don't unleash that on your LDS friends and and family, and just keep in mind that you know the gift the gift of grace is uh, it's a really good gift and. When when it boils down to it, we don't have anything to be angry or upset about. You know, we uh, we're very very blessed, and that's something that I think we need to keep in mind as
0: ex Latter Day Saints. Yeah, I um. So just kind of one thing I'd I'd like to kind of key in on. I've, I've struggled a little bit with the the title for this episode. We've we've kind of we kind of set it for a while as you know, advice for the post Mormon. Baby Christian, and then I was thinking, well, maybe it will be advice for the post-Mormon, new Christian. Maybe that'll be less offensive. Um, but I think back about uh, through my experience leaving the LDS Church, uh, and Matthew, you kind of touched on it. You know, you you have this idea that you're you're special because you hold the priesthood, right? And um, I that that kind of carried with me as I left and jumped right into uh, a Christian church. I wanted to get involved right away. Um, because that's what I did, right? As, as a Latter-day Saint, you, you have your calling, you do it. And so I'm, I'm jumping in trying to find, okay, what's my calling here? And I had some, you know, some really good mentors. Um, the, the, the pastor who was uh, the kind of in charge of the men's group at the church, um, he did kind of bring me in and give me opportunities to, you know, teach first from his uh, outlines and then you know, work with me to, de- to develop an outline for a lesson of my own on a Wednesday night Bible study. And and he reviewed that and gave me pointers and, you know, he really did a good job mentoring me through that, but it, it helped me realize, you know, that, you know, it's okay to, as a ladder, as an ex-Latter-day Saint coming into Christianity, it's okay to view yourself as a baby Christian because there are significant differences that you need to understand if you're going to be involved in, in in preaching the gospel, the true gospel to others. And so it's, it is okay to allow yourself that period of time where you just learn and study and grow and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you. Um, I did, you know, I kind of resisted against that because I thought, hey, I'm, you know, I've been a Christian my entire life. You know, I've been living this. I've been, I just went on a mission to Europe. You know, this, I, I get this stuff, you know, and it, It didn't take me very long to realize, well, wait a minute, there's some things I really don't get that I need to really, really understand. So my advice would be allow yourself to see yourself as a baby Christian and don't think of that as offensive.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I I felt the same way. Uh, It was interesting that we each had different reactions when we left the LDS church, how it sounded like from Brianna and Michael that they wanted some breathing they wanted some room to breathe and not have to worry about callings and things like that. Whereas Paul, I'm kind of with you, where I got into the church and I felt like I was benched. You know, I'm like, you know, come on, coach, let me in. You know, put, put me up to bat. I want something to do. But then it put really me just in, took some coach. I'm ready to play. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. yeah, So it it did it does take humility, like humbling from the spirit, I think, to realize you're not in a position quite yet to to really do what you want to do and it's going to take some time and some nurturing. You're, you're so it's, it's such a shaky time right after you leave the church and go into Christianity, you know, like you really, you really need to understand, what do I believe? What does the Bible say? And how do I reach people? Because if you, if you don't know those things and you're still struggling, And you're trying to piecemeal gather information from like websites and apologetic sources and be like, I want to refute all their argumentation. I want to debate everybody. That's like surefire, you know, way for disaster. Uh, Dan and Brianna, do you have anything to add to to that question? Dan,
3: you want to go first?
4: (laughs) Um, My last advice would be that um, the the social, if, if you're staying just for the social pieces, just know that, um, Every Christian church that I've gone to have had very strong family values, and that's something that you instill, that comes from you, right? And so, just know that, um, know that uh, you you can create those new social ties within each uh, church uh, family that that you find, and find one that works for you. Um, but also, don't be afraid to look at information. You know, when, when growing up, um, you know they called it anti Mormon doctrine. And not to read any anti-mormon doctrine well you know some some of the things that the, the book of mormon claims you know we have science that backs that up you know such as dna when they go and look at the dna of people of south america it doesn't match what the book of mormon is saying they came from so um just know just know that um obviously be careful about what you go and look at um, and, and be rooted in in, in the bible um in, in the gospel within the Bible. Don't be afraid to um, to explore and, and look at what's out there.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Brianna, maybe, maybe is there something that you wish you knew at the beginning that you know now, maybe, maybe some advice for your younger self?
2: Um, hmm. Stay
1: away from that Michael guy. <laughs> <laughs> that is good advice. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Brianna? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When you're marrying nervous, Dr. Pepper, you're gonna get uh, um, you're gonna well, get Mr. Pibb.
3: You know, there is some well so now that you kind of mentioned it. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um there
2: I <laughs> I'll go continue. I'm very interested in hearing what you're gonna say.
3: Um well <laughs> before I met Michael, um <laughs> So there, there is um some oh now I don't even know what I was gonna say, but like when you're single and you're like as a Christian, when I was brand new, like I was able to spend more time like kind of developing my own spirituality, and then for for a moment there, like once I got into a relationship, that kind of it wasn't like necessarily hindered, but it kind of like slowed down a lot initially. But, um, it can be very helpful too, to have someone by your side who also got that same grounding and, you know, with me and Michael together, like it took some time, but, you know, with us going to church together and having like, like a partner to go, um, we're able to grow and learn together. So there's some challenges that can come when you're by alone and, but there's also some blessings and benefits to it too, um. Um, so if you're feeling alone, like, you aren't alone, um, but, you know, God is, is going to give you opportunities that you wouldn't have in whatever circumstance you find yourself in, um, I guess.
2: So so the question that I'm going to ask that I shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway, <laughs> would you say that it's normally not a good idea to get in a relationship as a new christian
3: probably but i mean i can't really say i mean myself i've been lucky for sure but
2: because i've definitely felt some guilt you know it's like that whole thing like oh like she's a brand new and i wasn't thinking like this but in retrospect i'm kind of like i it could be easily seen that i was thinking like this like oh she's vulnerable she's a new you know ex-mormon christian and then i just jumped right in there and you know that's like (laughs) that's like picking somebody up at a funeral or something like, it's
5: just, it's kind of
2: crazy.
1: That's something I thought about about too, because I struggled. um, Like when I was leaving the church, I was actually engaged to be married. You all, you all know this, but um, so when I transitioned out, that relationship ended and that was kind of, that was, that was hard getting over that at the same time. But, and then I didn't go on a date for probably like, I don't know, like two or three years or something like that after that. And um, so I tried to make the most of that time, really grounding myself in scripture You know, and I got it was funny because I got to a point where I felt like, you know what, like if God really wanted me to, you know, I, I was praying a lot about it. And I was thinking, you know, like, you know, if God really wanted me to be single for a long time or, you know, indefinitely, whatever, I could I could do it. I feel like I got to a point where I was stable enough that I could that I didn't have that, that worry, that stress that Mormons have, you know, like, Oh my gosh, I got to get married. My salvation is tied to being married in the temple. I just got to get married. You know, I got, I kind of got over that. And then it's like a month later uh, I started dating my current girlfriend. So I don't know. God has kind of an interesting way of working things out. But, but yeah, I think that time that, that two or three years where I just really tried to study the Bible and answered all my questions, like, you know, what is baptism for the dead? Is that a real thing? You know, what about life after death? Where do we go? things like that. I think just grounding myself in all those things was, it was really beneficial to me and not having to worry about relationship uh, at the same time. But to, you know, to each their own, I'm not, I wouldn't say that you shouldn't get into a relationship personally, but um, you do have a lot less time to just think about things than when you're single. when you're single, you kind of have a lot of time to just sit around and kind of like think philosophically and like the meaning of life and that kind of stuff. So there is there's benefit to both. Like you said, there's a support structure if you're dating someone that you don't have when you're single a lot of times, but this pros and cons. Yeah, I
0: I don't know about the whole relationship thing because, you know, Angela and I did the whole transition together. Um, but I, I totally thought that where Brianna was going to go was, you know, you know, when she was single, she had all this time to to, to learn and kind of grow in relationship with, with the Lord. And then um, when she met Michael, then she had to, you know, take on the responsibility of bringing him along, you know, so I thought that's what she was killing and maybe it was I don't know
1: <laughs> yep now you have uh so how many cats are you at now five three. cats
3: three <laughs> three
2: going on zero
3: no no
2: wow <laughs> what's, so what, like
3: what,
0: what's wrong with the cats Michael come on
2: <laughs> what association has light with darkness <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. This this is guys was, over to over this. Way.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, let's just cut <laughs> it off here, guys. Let's just end it. <laughs> Yeah, but no, thank thank you guys for uh for joining us though. Um did you have anything else to add? If not, we'll probably just close out.
0: Hey thanks. Thanks for having us on.
1: Yeah. It.
5: Yeah,
0: there it's we, been good. I thought I think we got some good content tonight. Good advice for, for people.
2: I thought yeah. that was that was a really good discussion. We enjoyed having you on a lot, Dan and you know, I think we're probably going to lose Paul. He's probably going to go back to be with the Lord here in the next <laughs>
0: year or two. And we the second time, time, time recently. He's, <laughs> man, he just, he's just like, I'm a prophet. I'm going to prophesy Paul's death. Jeez. I'm not a prophet. I just twice. See, twice. The, I see the signs. <laughs> it's
2: different.
0: What are the signs?
2: Wrinkles. Gray hair. <laughs> Wow.
5: Slurred
2: speech, memory loss. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, no, thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate it hearing your perspectives and your experiences. Thank
2: you. Just kidding, Paul. I love you. You know that. I think I
0: know it.
1: I'm trying to keep this thing together and y'all are just ripping it apart. (laughs) I feel like I've got, I got keeping the ship together with bubble gum and duct tape.
0: That's all right. I'll, I'll give you the edit points.
1: (laughs) Just basically like halfway through, just cut out everything that Michael's in. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's probably, that's probably a good idea. I think that's a good rule of thumb. If it, you know, gets to be, what time
0: is it after about 10 o'clock our time, just go ahead and mute everything. I I, I saw him at one point kind of like, blinking. And I was like, he's looking tired. And it, like, Mr. Pib
1: came out after that <laughs> That was <just> transformation. <laughs> we thank you for tuning into this episode of the outer brightness podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please visit the outer brightness podcast page on Facebook. Feel free to send us a message there with comments or questions by clicking, send a message at the top of the page. And we would appreciate it. If you give the page a like, we also have an outer brightness group on Facebook, where you can join and interact with us and others as we discuss the podcast, past episodes, and suggestions for future episodes, etc. You can also send us an email at outerbrightness at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you soon.
2: You can subscribe to the Outer Brightness podcast on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, PocketCast, Podbean, Spotify, and Stitcher. Also, you can check out our new YouTube channel, and if you like it, be sure to lay hands on that subscribe button and confirm it. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen and help spread the word.
0: You can also connect with Michael the Ex-Mormon Apologist at FromWaterToWine.org, where he blogs, and sometimes Paul and Matthew do as well.
2: Music for the Outer Brightness podcast is graciously provided by the talented Brianna Flournoy and by Adams Road. Learn more about Adams Road by visiting their ministry page at adamsroadministry.com. Stay bright, Flyerflies.